Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Monday and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. is the voice of today's special guest, Hales from Minneapolis, played for the University of Missouri, graduated from Howard, spent four years covering the Falcons before joining NFL media as a reporter and senior writer for NFL.com. Now he's a captain, a quarterback, the chief national reporter for NFL Network. He's Steve Weich. Welcome back to the pod, good sir. Always love being on, man. And I love the way you sell that. (laughs) Selling you, man. You sell yourself. I just enjoy it. It's enthusiasm, nothing more. I am your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy, and on today's show, Bill Belichick has committed to, quote, playing the best players, Steve Weich. We're going to go rapid fire on a whole bunch of topics to get this thing started. This is topic number one. My question for you, Bill Belichick says we are going to play the best players. Okay, Steve Weich, who are the best players? Specifically, who is the best player at the quarterback position for the Patriots in 2023. It's Mac Jones. I mean, we, we can say what you want, but Mac Jones two years ago was a legitimate quarterback. They tried to get fancy last year with the coaches and the offensive coordinator. They messed up, not Mac Jones. It is Mac Jones. Will the addition of a proper, and it's no disrespect to Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia became something of a whipping post for people last year, but the fact is, it wasn't Matt Patricia's idea, I shouldn't think, to be the offensive coordinator. Bill Belichick put him in that position, and that may have been a position from which to fail. But turn the page, look forward. Now the New England Patriots have a proper offensive coordinator in one, Billy O'Brien. Do you expect a surge, an uptick of performance and execution and efficiency and maybe temperament, too, from Mac Jones under the tutelage of Bill O'Brien? Yeah, 1,000%. I mean, you know, look, even something as simple, and 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 I've heard this, is in many camps, how they called their route tree. Do you run it at six steps and make a cut, or do you run it at 14 yards and make a cut? Some players preferred running it at six steps and make a cut, but the coaches insisted, run it 14 yards and make a cut. This is how we're calling it, and do it. Some guys learn differently, and they never got past that stubbornness. You nailed it. Bill Belichick, known for exercising people's strengths, he did not do that with his offensive coaching staff last year. That is on him. Bill O'Brien will, of course, identify the strengths in Mac Jones. You seem to have a great deal of faith in Mac I Jones. Do. Maybe more than some others at this current place in time. But translation listener, Steve White says Mac Jones is the guy, should be the guy, will be the guy, and you'll know why soon enough. Correct. New York Giants owner John Mara said that it'll be a good year if Daniel Jones doesn't go from, wait for it, Bono to Bozo in year two of the Brian Dayball era. Pretty good line, Steve. I kind of like this one, but it had me worried because if you look at it through one lens, it's funny. If you look at it through another lens, it's a warning. Should we be worried or does John Mara know something I don't? I think John Mara is looking at, and and, you know, I don't know if that was specific to Daniel Jones. I think it was specific to the organization as a whole in terms of wins and losses. Look at the fact that last year, 
Right, they won when there were no expectations. They were coming off of a four-win season. They caught people off guard. They got things going, um, and they, they, they won in the simple, fundamental areas. They didn't turn the ball over. They had a 14 giveaway reduction from 2021 to 2022. They protected the ball. They protected Daniel Jones. But now people know their identity. They know what they're going to do. They knew last year, and this is speaking to coaches, that they did not have enough overall team speed. Has that increased enough for them to be better? We'll see. But now these guys are bought in. They know what to expect out of Brian Dayball and defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. Now is the challenge. Now when it gets hard because opposing coaches know what they're about, are they about counterpunching? To your point about overall team speed, I know that Wink is quite happy with the addition of a linebacker who came over from Indy. Yeah, Kerry Kay from uh, the Will linebacker from Indianapolis. You know, I thought this was a perfect fit for Bobby Wagner as well because he'd be protected. But, of course, Bobby went back to Seattle. Um, but adding some speed right there, that's important because their inside linebacker play last year. And, frankly, since Antonio Pierce in the Super Bowl championship days, their inside linebacker play has really been kind of a sore spot for the defense overall. And an inside linebacker upgrade in a division. When you look at the Eagles, when you look at the Cowboys, and when you look at the Commanders, the inside linebacker position couldn't be more important when you face those three teams. So good for them there. Listener, a game to circle. We don't know when this game will show up on the NFL schedule. That schedule will be released soon enough. But we do know this. The New York Giants, with their new tight end, Darren Waller, play the Las Vegas Raiders away this season. That's a Giants-Raiders game in Las Vegas. You think there's going to be some drama in that one? Oh, you're damn right there will be. Next topic, how close are the Cowboys to catching the Eagles in the NFC East? Steve Weich, I got a sense from you this morning. You like the direction the Cowboys are going and the gulf between the NFC champion Eagles and the what are you going to be this year Cowboys may be smaller than I realized. It's not that great. Look, if you look at that playoff game against the 49ers last year, they had the Niners. They only allowed one touchdown. But Dak had two interceptions, which led to six points by the 49ers, and it stopped some drives. But otherwise, the Cowboys were right there. And, again, it is not a wide gulf between the Eagles and Cowboys. Dak protects the ball. And the big question, can Mike McCarthy be magical as a play caller? That's the big question for them all year. But if Dak protects the ball, that will help. This is a number that strikes me as odd, Steve, especially for a team that made a change at the offensive coordinator position. The Dallas Cowboys in 2022 were the 10th overall offense, but they were the third-ranked scoring offense in the NFL. Not much room above you to improve from third. That seems like an odd unit to make such a seismic adjustment to. But, Steve, do you believe that it was a good move, allowing Kellen Moore out the door and inviting Mike McCarthy to call the plays? Boy, great question, because I thought the Kellen Moore offense was pretty darn good. Yes. And for as much as Mike McCarthy said, we didn't run the ball enough, I thought they ran the ball plenty. That To me, that, that seemed to set things up. Kellen Moore wasn't the one who traded away Mari Cooper. No, he wasn't. Right. I and mean, they haven't been the same since. Do you like the addition of Brandon Cooks? I do. I do. You know, and look, a lot of this also depends on the health of their offensive line. But Brandon Cooks, everyone thinks he's just a guy who streaks down the field. He can run the route tree. 
Okay, now they got three guys who can go vertical. Remember, CeeDee Lamb, he can go vertical. Michael Gallup can go vertical. But they all can run the route tree. So if Mike McCarthy is really good at what he does, he can have a lot of confusion with what he does with these wide receivers. But remember, in Green Bay, one of the things that people banged on him all the time about was a lack of pre-snap motion. And the eye candy is different pre-snap in the NFL today than it was seven or eight years ago. Zeke out the door. Tony Pollard recovering from that broken leg. They have brought in Rojo, Ronald Jones. A lot of expectations that they will probably grab a running back in the draft at some point. With the 26th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select. Who should they select or what should they select? They're going to select interior defensive line, in my opinion, or offensive line. Now, they went offensive line last year, and they did okay, but they still have got to have depth there. Tackles are aging. So, it's that way. Running back, they'll get later in the draft. But if B. John Robinson is there, that may just be too tempting to pass on the stud tailback from Texas. Finish the sentence as the last thing on the Dallas Cowboys today. I wouldn't be surprised if the 2023 Dallas Cowboys did what? Made it to the NFC Championship game. Made it to the NFC Championship game. Our boss and friend Kingsley Smith sat here on Dallas Cowboys Day on, the, on our countdown to the draft. And he said that he believes that the Dallas Cowboys have a very good chance of making the Super Bowl, but it was based on one caveat, that they host the NFC Championship game. So that would, in his estimation, they really do need that home game. He doesn't like their chances away to Philly, away to the Niners, away to maybe somebody who surprises us in that. I'll say to Philly, cold weather, right, if it's cold weather. But if it's a a place like the Niners or Seattle or something like that, I think they're a pretty good stand because that defense is really and got better with Stephon Gilmore. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy with the chief national reporter of NFL Network, Steve Weich. Why does Steve White say that the player to watch this offseason is Trey Lance? Well, because he's got an opportunity. And I say this because Brock Purdy is coming back from elbow surgery. He is not going to be able to throw for three months and probably get back to real football stuff for four or five, six months. It's on you now, Trey. You, you came out, you started last year, you got hurt after two games, but the team invested a lot in you. You've had time to mature. You have had time to learn this audience. You've had time to learn your teammates. Now it is time to earn everybody's trust because Brock Purdy did that in one half coming in for the injured Jimmy Garoppolo against the Miami Dolphins, and they did not have to dumb down their offense. So if he's able to come in and have a great offseason and and shut down all talk of Sam Darnold threatening him to be the opening day starter, um, then I think it's going to be a real, real hard decision for the 49ers to go right away to Brock Purdy, even even though they love him. They love Purdy. If I'm interpreting your tone when you said how you said Sam Darnold, you don't believe this recent surge of hype around Sam Darnold. A lot of people thinking and maybe even assuming that he is destined to be the week one starter. Because as we know, Brock Purdy's rehab 
suggests that he would be back earliest week one, latest week four. That really precludes him from taking place in an off-season quarterback right. competition. So really, ostensibly, it's down to Trey versus Sam. You don't rate Sam. This is Trey's job, the one that he was drafted for, the one that he is destined to assume. Yes. Week one starter Trey, is Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. And again, Sam Darnold is who he is. But if it is not Trey Lance, that's on Trey Lance. Okay, that's not Sam Darnold beating him out because they didn't invest trading away all that capital to acquire Sam Darnold like they did on Trey Lance. That's why I say he's one of the key players to watch this offseason because now it is go time. No translation needed. It's go time. It's up to you, Trey Lance. So says Steve Weich. Next topic, cracking the code. Shad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the surprising entry into the playoffs last season, the AFC South Division title champion winner, whatever I'm trying to say, Jacksonville Jaguars, Shad Khan owner says that his Jags cracked the code last season with the head coach, the GM, and the quarterback. The head coach, of course, Doug Peterson. The GM, of course, Trent Baalke. The quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Okay, so the Jags cracked the code in 2022. Steve Weich, who is destined to crack the code in 2023? First off, interpretation of those remarks is they won, they got better, and now sustainability. Okay? Not just, hey, we had a good year, we're cool with that, like they were, I believe, in 2017 when they were in the AFC Championship game. This so is, not a Rams crack the code where you go all in and then the next well, the Rams you fall are off the cliff. No, no, the Rams were successful for five years before that now, for the most part. Okay, I'm talking about the one and done when the Jags did it back when they were loaded with Jalen Ramsey. Yes, sir. Thank portals. you for clarifying. So that's what I'm saying. Now they, they ascended and now sustainability. So sorry to get to my point, but the Seattle Seahawks are that team. Okay, we saw Geno Smith rise from the ashes and have a great year. You sure did. So you've got stability at quarterback. Hey, look, they're probably going to draft a quarterback at either 5 or 20 in the first round. I am saying the sustainability part is, one, they always have a good defense. They knocked it out of the park, okay, with the draft last year. I believe they had six starters and other uh, key contributors. Boy, Mafe, um, just so many. Kenneth Walker, just, you know, all those guys on defense. Kobe Bryant, all these great players. But then they add Julian Love, safety, to Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams. You've got a great coach, a Hall of Fame coach, in my opinion, in Pete Carroll. John Schneider has never had a draft pick this high at number five. Their first year there, they were at number six. So now they've got an opportunity to do something, but they have such a strong foundation in place. I think they are the team that's going to challenge the 49ers in the NFC West, and they've got an opportunity to make some hay in the playoffs. You talked about how successful a draft it was for the Seahawks this past season. And, of course, you can look at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, who had eight rookies make a yep. real contribution on the biggest stage. And you could look at the Jets, yep. who had the Offensive Rookie of the Year and the Defensive Rookie of the Year. That is some great drafting, surely. But a lot of people say, you, the most recent, sitting here right now, the Seattle Seahawks may be able to lay claim to the best draft class of all last season. Well, I mean, look, that's because... We thought they were going to be horrible. Right? Yes. Oh, they lose Russell Wilson. They do it's that. a transition year. It's a rebuild year. Definitely. Total rebuild. Geno's going to be the Band-Aid until they can get, they get the first overall pick and take Bryce Young. Right? That's what we were all were thinking. They come in. They win nine games last year. Those offensive tackles, you know, Charles Cross being one of them, their first, their first pick in the first round, was a stud. Right? Their secondary was kind of a young legion of boom, kind of like what we saw 
you know, when they had Brandon Browner and Richard Sherman and those guys back in the day, okay, now, you know, Mafe was kind of like, you know, the young Cliff Averill, a young Michael Bennett. You know, so then Kenneth Walker, I'm not going to say he was young Marshawn, but Kenneth Walker was really good. He really was. He was really good. So you've got foundational tools in place at foundational positions. They've got the stud wide receivers in Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. They got those guys, right? They've got players who can do certain things from certain positions. Now they've got a framework to build out from and hit those guys getting one year of experience under their belt already. They should be better. That's why I really, really am bullish on the Seahawks. If it's true then that Shad Khan's Jags cracked the code in 2022, don't be surprised if Steve Weich is absolutely right that the Seattle Seahawks will have proved to have cracked the code themselves and the proof will come on the field in 2023. Next topic, worst to first. It happens all the time, almost every single year. Last place team in the eight NFL divisions are as follows. Jets, Broncos, Browns, Texans, Commanders, Cardinals, Bears, and Falcons. Eight to choose from. Who would be your most likely to improve, most likely to go from worst to first in 2023. Steve well, Weich. I'm going to say the Falcons. Look, really? 7-10 last year. They've been competitive the past two years. The NFC South, all new quarterbacks out of the gate for every team, right? Derek Carr in New Orleans. Now, they're, they're probably the most situated team to win. To, yes, to but you're win. right. They're, that's assuming that chemistry, that the chemistry that experiment will works, work. That everything is healthy. I, I mean, I really like the Saints. Um, actually, it'd be a really good team. But in, in this scenario, to this question, yes, I like the Falcons. I will say this. I was very tempted to go with the Cleveland Browns right here. You were. I think Cleveland is going to be a much better team with Deshaun Watson having all that time under his belt now to be able to start from week one. But the Cincinnati Bengals are like the team. I mean, I just, I just don't see as good as Cleveland may end up being them getting past the Bengals unless there's some catastrophic injuries on Cincinnati's roster. Listen, I think your logic is spot on because in your estimation, Steve White says that the Falcons are more likely to topple the Bucks, who won that NFC South last year than the Browns are to topple the Bengals, who of course look like a juggernaut who's going to be here for a while in that AFC North. Worst to first, don't be surprised if it's the Atlanta Falcons. Last question for you in the first half of this show. The topic, Lamar Jackson. Is that fresh? No, it's not. But a fresh article came out today from the hand of the man himself, Greg Roman, the former OC in Baltimore. Somewhat of a defense of Lamar Jackson and almost a plea to don't mess with it. Don't mess with this kid. Let Lamar be Lamar. He really makes a very lucid argument for why asking Lamar to be something that he hasn't been, asking him to sort of lead a different kind of an offense may be perilous for him and may be perilous for the Baltimore Ravens. And yet the the detractors would suggest that playing in a Greg Roman offense wasn't good for Lamar because it put him at risk too often. Ten missed games the last two seasons. Where do you fall on this article? Where do you fall on the kind of offense that Lamar Jackson should be leading? I think Lamar Jackson should be leading a very similar offense to what he's been doing. He's an MVP. He's, what, 25, 26 years old? His injuries 26. happened in the pocket. John Harbaugh and, and those of us who watched it scream, his injuries happened in the pocket. He was not running, getting, you know, getting his teeth knocked in. So 
I think you've got to take advantage of his strengths. That's a mobile pocket. He can play from the pocket. He has shown that. I think where the Ravens have failed him, and as much as people say it's Greg Roman, because he's kind of running offense people have gotten used to, is figure out an outside passing game. Because you talk to people in that building, they'll still ask, we don't know if he's, a, he's, he's, he's flawed as an outside passer or if it's our fault for not finding receivers who can catch the ball on the outside. And I'm kind of like, I'm seeing teams like the Jets, like the Saints. They're finding outside receivers in a freaking hurry, right? These guys are coming out of college ready to make an impact right away. They're making moves in free agency to get their quarterbacks help right away. And the problem what's happened in Baltimore, and I'll never forget this when I covered the Atlanta Falcons with a really good vertical receiver, Peerless Price, but when he was put in an offense for Michael Vick, is the receivers were asked to block an awful lot. And Peerless was like, I didn't sign here to block. I'm a wide receiver. I signed here to catch balls. And that's why you're hearing some stuff out of Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman. Like, let us do what we do. Let Lamar do what we know he's capable of doing instead of having us try to block 60, 70% of the time. Steve Weich, I think I can translate this. This is a message to Eric DaCosta and to Steve Bushotti, and yes, to you too, John Harbaugh. Let Lamar be Lamar, but you have to help Lamar be Lamar. Get the man a wide receiver or two. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Steve Weich. And Steve, I'm going to ask you to push that button right there. No, 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 no. Not that one. Definitely don't touch that one. Yes, that one right there. Thank you. Listener, you know what that means. It means we are back on the clock in our countdown to the draft. The 2023 NFL Draft presented by Verizon, April 27th, 28th, and 29th. On NFL Network and NFL Plus, coverage begins Thursday, April 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, what are we doing on the pod? We are counting down team by team in order of how they finished the 2022 season. This is close to, but not the draft order. As you know, there are a few teams without a first-round pick, and we can't leave anybody out. We started with the Chiefs. We will end with the Bears. But today, we turn to a team with two first-round picks, the D-Town Lions. Steve Weich, you are an historian, a student of the game, and kind of a lover of all 32, which I love about you. When I say Detroit Lions, where does your mind go? 20s. 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 The 1920s. And nope. 1920s. Newsreel, 1920s. De- I, de- Detroit no, Lions no. take the gridiron against the Chicago Bears. You know, I'm really big on all things being equal. The NFL was not all things being <laughs> no, equal. No, it was not. In the 1920s. Here's and I shouldn't say that with a laugh. It yes. is absolutely true. Here's why I say 20s. The, the legacy of the 20s, starting with Hall of Fame defensive back Lem Barney. Number 20. Number ah, 20, the mystery the solved. 20 out of Jackson State, followed by my favorite Detroit Lion ever, Running back, Billy Sims. Billy Sims out of Oklahoma, who had his career end tragically after five years with a bad knee injury. Go look him up, folks. He was a bad man. And then the number 20 after that followed Barry Sanders. Yeah, heard of him. Pro Football Hall of Famer. Everyone's heard of him, arguably. Not in my opinion. He's number two. But 
arguably the greatest running back of all time. Arguably, yeah, and he's number two for you. Sweetness. Number one is sweetness. sweetness. Walter Payton Walter has Payton. to be number one for all you. day. All day. Can't. My dad was a Gale Sayers guy, and then he loved Walter Payton. And the only person who really kind of turned our heads, other than our hometown hero, John Riggins, for very different reasons. But it was Barry. It was always Barry. He was amazing. It was always Barry for me. Barry Sanders with a seam. Sanders with a cutback. And Sanders down the sideline. One to beat. Touchdown. Number 20s, guys. I did, in fact, do a little bit of research. Lem Barney, Hall of Famer. His career record includes 56 interceptions. He scored 11 touchdowns. This is a guy who turned somebody else's mistake into his team's gain. He also recovered 11 fumbles and doubled as the Lions punter in 67 and 69. He did it all. He was named All-NFL, kind of our current All-Pro, in 68 and 69. And he was All-NFC in 72 and 75. That was Steve's first number 20, Lem Barney Lemuel. Am I Lemuel saying that Barney. Yes, out of Jackson Lemuel State. Barney. Yes. Now, number 20, Billy Sims. Steve is absolutely right. You should go look up Billy Sims. Treat yourself to some video of Billy Sims as a player. He only played, as Steve intimated, from 1980 to 1984. But in that short stretch of time, he strung together three Pro Bowls, 3,000-yard seasons, and he averaged 37 catches a season at a time when that was not a thing. And, and of an course, offensive rookie of the year as well. And offensive rookie of the year. And, of course, the one that we all know and remember and love so much, Barry Sanders, played from 89 to 98. Ten Pro Bowls. Ten All-Pro selections. That's in ten years as a pro, listener. Two Offensive Players of the Year. Four rushing titles. Offensive Rookie of the Year. His jersey number retired. But, of course, let's thank Billy Sims and Lem Barney for putting some extra shine and some extra fairy dust on that number 20. And, of course, Barry Sanders, like Lem Barney, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Doak Walker was a lion. How about that? Another one. Bobby Lane. Bobby Lane, one of the greatest ever. Recent heroes for Lions fans over the last maybe 10 to 15 years have to include Matt Stafford. Yeah, Megatron. And Megatron. Calvin Johnson, number 81. Throw into the end zone. Watch Calvin. Well covered. He goes up. He makes the catch. Are you kidding me? Aiden Hutchinson may be a character for the future for this team. And yet you reminded us that they brought somebody in midway through the season who actually outsacked Aiden Hutchinson last year. Pressure goes. Allen hits, slips out of it. Now he's going down. Sacked. Lions brought the pressure. Hey, James Houston, that's your second sack of the day. James Houston, a rookie out of a rookie out of Jackson State, where Lem Barney went as well, comes in to get eight sacks. Didn't play until Thanksgiving that Thursday. Whoops. Unbelievable. It will be the perfect draft for the Detroit Lions if they address what? They've got two draft picks to play with in the first round. They've got two to play with in the first round. They're probably going to go ahead and get some type of interior or something along the defensive line with that first pick, which I believe is number six. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Six and and 18. Six and 18. And then later on, I think they go ahead and they get themselves a ghost at wide receiver. Because Ben Johnson is just the man as a play caller. Remember last year, they got Jamison Williams late coming off that injury out of Alabama. Yep. He came in late last year. We think he's going to be an excellent player. We've got Amon Ross St. Brown, the absolute stud. Go get another ghost. Go get somebody else who can go and get it. The NFC North is yours, my friends. I mean, the Vikings look like they're going to be a good team again, but they can't stop anybody. The Packers, who knows what they're going to be. The Bears are on the come up, but the Lions, go get yourself a ghost who can take it to the house and as fun as that as fun as that offense could be, 
make it even more enjoyable. What does history say about the Detroit Lions? Well, it says that they are one of the OGs in the NFL. They are entering their 94th season. This is a franchise that began back in 1930. Their overall record, eh, 579, 702 losses, 34 ties. Not great. Their playoff record, 7 and 13. Yeah, also not great. They are one of only four teams in the NFL with zero Super Bowl appearances, joining the Texans, the Browns, and the Jags in that ignominious group. They have four NFL championship wins back in 35, 52, 53, and 57. This is a proud and, yes, very successful history that the old-timers who are Lions fans will remind you of. Their winningest coach, Wayne Font, 66 wins, 67 losses. They have six retired jersey numbers. Dutch Clark, number seven. Barry Sanders, of course, number 20. Bobby Lane, who I mentioned, number 22. Doak Walker, number 37. Joe Schmidt, number 56. And Chuck Hughes, number 85. Listen to those names. They're so perfect for Detroit. Dutch, Barry, Bobby, Doak, Joe, and Chuck. They have 21 people in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Notables amongst them, of course, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, Lem Barney, and yes, Bobby Lane. Now, what were they in 2022? Well, they were a tale of two units, one very good, one not so good. Their defense was ranked last, total defense ranked in the NFL, dead last, 32 out of 32 teams. The Lions needed to stop, couldn't get it. They were tied for 28th in scoring defense. 45 points offensively. And you lose. They were 29th against the rush. They were 30th against the pass. They were 30th on third downs. They were 29th at giving up the big plays, and they were dead last in yards per play. No words. Just a very can't sugarcoat it. That's a horrendous day defensively. Brutal. Just brutal. Will defense be a focus of intention in the draft? Will it better be? But on the other side of the ball, that offense can hold its head high. That offense was stirring. They were stunning. They were astonishing. Total offense ranked fourth in the NFL. Scoring offense fifth. Sets up a screen, got it to Swift, picks up a block at the 20. Swift 15, Swift 10, Swift 5, Swift Enzo. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Oh, baby, was that beautiful. They were second at keeping their quarterback clean. They were first at not turning the ball over. This is a recipe for success. They were fourth in the red zone, and they were fifth in yards per play. Handle your business, boys. Handle your business. That's exactly what you've done today. So this is clearly an offense that can compete with the very best teams in the NFL, but it is a defense that simply has not competed against anyone in the NFL. You get that defense where it can be, maybe where it should be, and this is a team capable of not just making the playoffs. This is a team capable of, yes, winning that NFC North and winning a game or two or more in the playoffs. You want to tell me it can't be done? Go look at NFL history, and it will show you and tell you and prove to you that it can be done because it has been done before, just not by the Lions. As for draft picks and draft needs... According to NFL.com, their draft needs defensive line, D-backs, and tight ends. They have eight draft picks with which to address those needs. Two in the first, six and 18. Two in the second, one in the third, one in the fifth, and two in the sixth.
This is the time when, Steve, we thank you for your time, for your thoughts. But as learned a man as you are, the one thing you are not is a Lions fan. So, ergo, you will be ushered out with the rest of your unruly entourage. Get out of here. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much. But now, of course, it is the time to throw open the doors to the NFL Hall of Fans. <laughs> Lions fans only, please, please come right in. You are not a Lions fan. Stay out on the front. Lions fans like Paul Fox, editor Paul Fox, who says that as a Lions fan, his favorite player is legally required to be Barry Sanders. On the draw, it is Sanders. Barry Sanders going all the way. But... He quickly adds, everybody forgets about Herman Moore, who had the NFL record for the most receptions in a season at one point. And that was on the same offense headlined by Barry Sanders. His best memory as a Lions fan, Stafford as a rookie, throwing the game-winning touchdown against Cleveland with a broken collarbone. So much promise after a run of mediocre quarterbacks before Paul says he could be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and of course, he was just not for my Lions. His worst memory, Calvin Johnson's game-winning touchdown called back against Chicago because the ball hit the ground as he was getting up the illegally batted out-of-bounds ball in the end zone. This is in shouty caps, guys, right in front of the official. Against Seattle, the flagged pass interference call in the playoffs against the Cowboys that was then immediately picked up. Paul says there's a lot of Lions hate coming from the Zebras. Interesting. Refs on notice. Paul says he's a Lions fan because growing up in Michigan, the Lions had Barry Sanders, probably the most exciting player with the most exciting highlights in the league at that time. Oh, that is one of the great <laughs> runs you'll ever see, folks. That, that one is a highlight reel special. And Lions games have been a staple of Thanksgiving Paul's entire life. They even used to win those Thanksgiving games fairly frequently, Paul reminds us. It'll be the perfect draft for Paul Fox's lines if they trade back and build up the defense. I think they're going to keep scoring this year, Paul says, but they have to at least slow down their opponents. That will be and has to be the focus. Paul says, I wouldn't be surprised if my Lions win five games this season. Disappointed? Sure. Surprised? Meh, he says. Meh, M-E-H. There's still a young team with an inexperienced coaching staff, all still trying to figure this thing out. And that whole refs hate the Lions thing, well, that's in play too. Wow. And I've seen this team underperform before, Paul says, but I'm far more optimistic about the 2023 season than I've been since the early days of the Stafford era. Fans like Mark Selleck, real-time systems senior producer Mark Selleck. His favorite player, here it comes, once again, Barry Sanders. There are so many memorable runs, he says, but that one against the Cowboys in the playoffs for the touchdown in 91. One word, Mark says, ridiculous. Sanders still on his feet, and Sanders is gone. Six Cowboys missed him. His most vivid memory as a Lions fan kind of qualifies as a worst memory, and yet there's something very good attached to it. Here it comes. Our franchise Hall of Fame players, he says, retiring while still 
in their primes. Barry at 31, Calvin at 30. Also, he says, going to Thanksgiving Day games as a kid with my great uncle and my grandfather. Why is Mark Selleck a Lions fan? Because he was born and raised just outside of Detroit. My family was all Detroit sports fans. So it was all I saw as a young kid, Mark says. It would be the perfect draft for Selleck's Lions if they get a D lineman at six, not a cornerback, he makes sure to remind us. If one of the three bigs are not there, trade down for picks in future years. Then take the best available defensive player at 18. He makes sure to say this as well. Please, no tight ends in the first round. Listen up, Lions front office. I would not be surprised, Mark Selleck says, if my Lions actually win the NFC North. Get a little playoff taste now that Aaron Rodgers is gone. Is he gone? That's more than I know. After so many rough years, it's hard to drink any of the Kool-Aid. But this is a huge year to kill the, quote, same old lion moniker. Fans like NFL media editor Evan Sabrin. Why is he a Lions fan? Because he grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. His grandfather played semi-pro football in Detroit. Would always talk about Barry and tell me that we haven't seen anything like him in our lives. Evan says he loved Silver Dome Sundays and tailgating with his dad. He remembers, of course, that Barry Sanders was to him the most incredible player to watch. Have never seen a player move like him and don't think we ever will again. Honestly, Evan, I think you're absolutely right. And it's Barry Sanders trying to take advantage of a slight opening and he breaks it and he'll go all the way. Touchdown, Detroit. For Evan, it would be the perfect draft for the Lions if they trade up for Will Anderson or stand pat at six and get Tyree Wilson and Kalijah Kansi at 18. Build the D-line is what he is saying. Build it and mash. Evan says he wouldn't be surprised if the 2023 Detroit Lions win the North and win our first playoff game since 1992. And fans like my wife Gracie's uncle Scott, Scott Gebel, whose favorite player, is it a shock? Barry Sanders. Oh man, he was just one of the best running backs ever. Just awesome. Deep hand off to Barry. 35, breaks through 30. Barry outside of the 20, cuts inside of the 15, outside of the 10. Barry to the Stephar 5, and touchdown! What an incredible run by the best back in the National Football League, Barry Sanders. Scott said to me on the phone, I wouldn't be surprised, he says, if my Lions made the playoffs. And then he quickly added, man, I would love to see them make it to the second round of the playoffs. He doesn't remember the last time that happened. He said maybe it was back in the 80s against Washington. We were reminded moments ago by Evan that it was actually in 1992. But of course, to Scott Gebel and so many others like him, it feels like it's been since the 80s. The one thing that Scott said that struck with me, many things actually, and I'll share them with you. He said, one year at a time, I'd love to make the playoffs and then we'll go from there one year at a time. There is something measured, something temperate about the Lions fandom that I hear coming from Scott over the phone. But there's something really, really special about it too. I'll share that with you in a moment. Why is Uncle Scott a Lions fan? He says, come on, I've always been. My dad's always been. You grow up in Detroit, you grow up as a Lions fan. And the motto for Scott Gebel and most of the Lions fans he knows, maybe next year. But not in a depressed, oops, we did it again kind of way. The sound in Scott Gebel's voice is enthusiastic. 
He's ready with a smile for the day that that smile is warranted. I'm always hopeful, Scott says, and I, for one, believe him. It seems like we always get some good players, but we never pull through. Maybe this year, he says, we can get it together and click on both offense and defense. Scott reminds us that Lions fans are dedicated. They sell out every game. He said, we've always got their backs. There was something about that phrase, listener, when he said, we've always got their backs. Like they are the little brother that needs protection from this fan base, knowing that this team is doubted, knowing that this team is dismissed. But the fans, the fans always got their backs. I love that. What did he think about the 2022 season? Scott Gebel said, he said the feeling was different in town. All the people he went to high school with were buzzing with hope and possibility. And he said, sure, we got some bad calls, Scott says. There's that narrative again. And he said, it feels like we always lose by three points all the time. A guy kicks it 68 yards to win the game with zero seconds left. But that's okay. Even when he lived in Hawaii, Scott Gebel was a Lions fan. I don't want to be one of those guys who jumps on the bandwagon when they finally do it, he said. I stuck with them through thick and thin, Scott says. And you know what? That's the story of most Lions fans you meet. It's not the winning or the losing. It is the sticking. It's the believing. It's the hoping. It's the finding joy in the little things. Yes, like knocking the Packers out of the playoffs, even though they didn't get to go themselves. This game is over. Green Bay had everything on the line tonight. Everything. A Hall of Fame quarterback with the playoffs on the lip of the cup. But the Lions said, "Uh uh-uh, not tonight. Not tonight. We're going home, and you're going home. That was awesome. Scott remembers. He said that was like winning a playoff game for us. As for the future, Scott says we're looking forward to this year. I know I am, he said. I will always root them on. So listen to that. Doubt the Lions and their town at your own peril. They care not, not one tiny bit. Because as guys like Scott Gebel say about his team, we've always got their backs. I don't know about you, listener, but that's the kind of fan I want for my family, for my city, and my team, too. In fact, that's the kind of fan that I want to be. I want to thank today's very special guest, Steve Weich, the chief national reporter for NFL Network. So glad that he could be joining us today. I want to thank the Lions fans that we've heard from. Something special about Lions fandom, and I think we were reminded of what that is today. And I want to invite you to join us tomorrow for a team with a very different narrative than the Lions, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are they in transition? Yes, they are. Have they too been doubted? Oh, yes, indeed. The question is not what were they in 2022. The question is what will they be in 2023? What's the perfect draft for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Are they on the way up? Are they stuck in the middle? Or are they due for yet another kind of dip? We saw what happened. The Mike Tomlin magic. The man does not lead teams to losing seasons in the NFL. Is he finally due? Or are they due for an upsurge yet again? The kind that we would expect from a Pittsburgh Steelers team. Those are the questions to be answered tomorrow. Till then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.